story, new paradigms for a new world. We're here to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We stream live at those times. And then uh, there's the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Blueberry, and a lot of other places. By the way, just as an update, I like to kind of keep you posted as to what's happening with the podcasts. As of this broadcast, 15,300 plus listens in... Two years and three months, 15,300. I have no clue what that means. <laughs> all I know is there are a lot of people who are listening and they're listening from all over the place. Uh, obviously, the United States is one of the prime places, uh, Spain and Portugal and France, India, Pakistan, Israel, Egypt, um, I am just astounded, honestly, at the, I mean, I mean, I know that this is, this podcasts are worldwide. I get that, but it's still pretty cool when you start looking at the countries, uh, where people are listening, even if it's only a few people, one or two or three people. So that's fine. That's what we want to do. Uh, one person at a time is to help you, uh, in your evolutionary process. So we hope that you'll do that. And we definitely want you to go to the podcast because that's where you're going to really get the meat. We don't necessarily just do 50 minutes and then end the interview. And thank you so much. And we'll hopefully talk to you again. And if you'd like to come to Santa Barbara, Hey, let's do this in studio and love to lol. And that's it. No, sometimes if the guest is willing and able, we go for 60, 70. I have done 80 minutes straight through no breaks. Uh, and it's just fantastic that, that they are willing to do that. So, um, again, we thank you for listening to the podcasts. We thank you for sharing them. We've had people who have reposted our podcast elsewhere. And uh, we also thank you for your financial support. If you like what we are doing and you like what our guests are doing and you'd like to help us to uh, pay the, uh, the radio bill, we certainly would be glad to uh, take that support. And thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for those who will. Uh, we are going to have a very, I think, special program. And it ties oh so well into our topic for this year 2020 the year of perfect vision inner vision folks and we're going to get some inner vision um from uh, uh, the founder and the ceo of the practical path inc uh, as well as a whole bunch of other letters behind her name certified medical intuitive practitioner She's a certified transformational life coach. Oh, I love the word transformation. A certified biofield balance practitioner. We're going to find out what that's all about. And, oh, well, we'll be able to bless each other as I am also a, uh, 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 no. well, I guess I'm an ordained minister. I went through the, uni the uh, Universal uh, Life Church website 10 years ago, so I can put Reverend in front of my name. I'd like to welcome Reverend Wendy Coulter to our program. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I don't, I don't like going on and on about our guests' credentials because people can read about those. I usually like to jump right in. <laughs> sure. But uh, for a woman so young, you've got a whole lot of stuff behind you here as far as... <laughs> 
uh, credentials. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're a, you have, uh, you, uh, uh, let's see, you're a fellowship faculty member for the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Yes. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the acronym. You're a rot- <laughs> A-I-H-M. Yes. Well, and I've also taught at uh, Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. I'm on their rotating faculty for their program that uh, works and teaches um, medical students and residents. So that's an, a unique program yeah. for the uh, the fourth year medical students to learn about integrative and medicine and complementary alternative uh, types of approaches. So it's very exciting what's going on. Absolutely. You also fuse the uh, the um, the mission is to fuse the spiritual wisdom traditions with constructive real world results. I want to start in a place, where, especially when we're talking about you as an intuitive healer. It's a bugaboo with me in the medical community. It's a bugaboo with me when I watch medical programs, <laughs> fictional programs, even if it's based upon a real hospital somewhere. Mm-hmm. The medical community, as well as our society at large, when it comes to humans, and we don't know when to say when, mm. let them let go. You've done all you can do. Their quality of life is crap. Mm. And just let them go. Okay. Let's talk about that in reference to Mm -hmm. you as a medical intuitive. You have to be tapping into that person's energy and what's going on. You have to be getting some kinds of messages that are saying, look, they're Round trip ticket was punched at birth, and this is their departure ticket time. Well, I'd be happy to talk about that. And Please. Most, uh, most interviewers don't ask me about that particular um, circumstance in people's lives. <clears throat> I will say that for your listeners who may not know what medical intuition is, uh, it is a skill set uh, whereby the, the uh, license or the professional practitioner, not licensed, but the certified practitioner, um, can look at literally use uh, visual intuition to look at the physical body and the biofield. And the biofield is an electromagnetic field that surrounds the human body, also permeates the human body. It's known sort of um, colloquially, excuse me, colloquially as <laughs> the aura. And the chakra system, that mm. is also known as the biofield. And the NIH, the National Institute of Health, has a description and information about biofield therapies. So it is recognized um, by the, the federal government. Wow. Um, what a medical intuitive does is, at least the way I practice and the way I train my students, is to view the physical body as if we're looking at an MRI. We can see the details, the workings of the physical body. We can see where the imbalances are. What we're looking for are energetic imbalances that can correspond to health issues. And uh, depending on the scope of practice of the student, whether or not they're licensed to diagnose, they can use it in that fashion. If they are not, then what we do is an evaluation and a assessment for our clients to take to their primary care providers. And I'll talk a little bit later, Richard, about our pilot study uh, where we saw 94 to 98% accuracy rates for the medical intuitives that have studied with me and a bigger study we're doing at the University of California, San Diego. But to 
to address your question, I'll broaden it a little bit to say that medical intuitives traditionally, I guess you could say, work with people who have not gotten answers or feel they have not gotten answers from traditional Western medicine. That's a typical kind of client. And some of them may be, you know, dealing with a, a terminal issue, as you mentioned. Some of them may be dealing with a chronic issue. But whatever they're dealing with, um, they feel that, you know, Western medicine isn't answering their questions. So this is where medical intuition can help. And what we'll do is we'll take a look and see what the body wants the person to know. It's a conversation between the person's physical body and biofield and the medical intuitive, and that information gets uh, imparted. So for people who are dealing with a terminal illness, that is absolutely part of the conversation if it's, if it's necessary. Absolutely. And I've worked with people who have, you know, have been there and are grappling or dealing with sort of that whole side of things. But let me just say that the body wants to regenerate life unless we're at the end of our life cycle um, or at, dealing with a terminal issue that you know really is so far along that the body is so depleted that it can't renew its resources. People, uh, you know, our, our physical bodies are made of, of cells that just want to regenerate and live and, you know, and, and all of that. So it's interesting kind of a conversation to have with someone's body that wants to survive and wants to thrive. Um, and th there's really no one way to approach it, Richard. It's, it's kind of a, you know, it's an individual perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. as a Reiki master myself, mm -hmm. the way I was trained... I was told that any time I utilized that energy, when I chose to become that conduit consciously mm -hmm. for that energy, I was not to put any of my intent mm -hmm. in that energy, but nothing but to send it to that circumstance or individual, whether they were there in person or it was absentee. Mm -hmm. to allow them to choose what to do with it. And I've mm -hmm. shared this story many times on this program. Case in point, my father's brother, my uncle, was dying of cancer. And I wanted to, both my wife and I, who are Reiki masters, wanted to, to uh, send him uh, some energy. We wanted to mm -hmm. send him, do an absentee healing. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it was phrased, absentee healing, which sounds kind of contrary to what, what we did or what happened, I should say. And, um, of course, he passed, and uh, we went to his funeral and all uh, down in Miami, Arizona. And um, then we were told a story a few days after we had done the absentee healing. We were told that uh, he became very angry, threw his medications across the room and against the wall, got in his wheelchair, and he wheeled across the yard to where his son was staying in the house on the same compound, if you will. And apparently they had a time, I don't know if it was an hour or whatever whatever time frame it was, of closure, you know, and so forth. And shortly thereafter, he passed. Mm -hmm. And that's what he chose to do with that energy. Mm -hmm. But Western medicine, uh, when the patient's, if, if I can put it this way, when the patient is crying uncle... <laughs> as in kids yeah. games or if yeah. you will uh but the medical community doesn't hear them 
the you see the doctors in these medical programs and they're just going berserk trying to resuscitate this person whether it's CPR and compressions yeah. or whatever it yeah. is and the other people around him or her are saying hey stop stop yeah. cut it out stop yeah he, well you're what you're talking about is uh, you know there are some states in the in the United States that have passed laws about you know, um, I don't know what it's called, death with dignity, I suppose, mm -hmm. where people can make their own health care choices if they're of sound mind. And I know in California where I, am, I live and in Oregon and maybe some other states now have that. And that's a compassionate medicine. You know, people should have the opportunity to make that choice for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little different than uh, medical intuition, I think. Sure. Um, and, and just to make a finer put a finer, finer point on it, medical intuition is not a healing modality, just FYI. Uh, it's actually an assessment evaluation skill. Uh, and modality, this is why I teach people from across the spectrum of modalities. I teach energy healers, Reiki masters, all, you know, psychologists, <laughs> psychiatrists, all the way to MDs, and a lot of nurses. So there's a broad mix of uh, students in the class with different backgrounds because I'm not teaching a skill set that's a modality. I'm teaching them an assessment tool that they can bring into their existing practices. Okay. But at the same time, would you not agree that even with th that assessment, uh, that they are going to pick up on the desires of that, of that, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to call them that client, that not customer, that patient? Desires, sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's more of a a discussion with the client's body and biofield. Okay. What does the body want? What does the biofield want? Mm -hmm. um, I have read for people that were near death and with dealing with terminal cancer and whatnot. I have worked with them as a medical intuitive. And, you know, one of the most important pieces of medical intuition, not they're equally important. The, the one I described where it's about the physical body and the biofield and what is it wanting and what is it asking for to heal or to whatever the next step is. The other part of medical intuition is to look at the life history to find out why this issue manifested in the first place. Ah. So it's a very powerful um, discussion with the client's body and biofield, mm -hmm. not with the client, right. but with what's being held in the body that has information for the client on why this issue has manifested. Cancer is a very powerful one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's powerful. And, uh, the information is very specific, uh, and very, uh, unique and personal to the client. So there's not one size fits all with any of that. Uh, and that can help. What that can do for people, and what I've seen in the 20 years of my career uh, as a medical intuitive and a healer, is I've seen that that conversation with the client's body where I ask, what is the life history here that, le that led to this outcome or this particular issue that's present? Um, that information brings so much awareness to the client. Uh, I've seen it... Um, uh, help them sort of have those aha moments where they understand the nature of their physical issues, where they understand the emotional, mental, and spiritual components of those issues. It's informational in a way that I would call the most holistic. Uh, and, and you really can't get that from anyone but a qualified medical intuitive, frankly, uh, because our job is to look very deeply and to get as much information as the energy system and the, and the body wants to give, which can be very detailed and should be. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's it, and I I had to bring. I I started. That's kind of funny. Uh, I started the beginning of the interview at the end, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't. Re- <laughs> it isn't really the end. I mean, you and I would both agree that our the, the, the I I like to refer to it as the transformational stage. Yes. From yes, this sure. life to the next, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, I've had people come to me saying, Richard, I'm scared. I, 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 I'm afraid of death because I don't know what's on the other side. And I'm mm-hmm. also afraid that, that there's nothing, that it's over. And I said, well, first of all, let me just l- try to lay, rest, l- put your mind at ease. If there's nothing on the other side, you're never going to know it anyway. So it won't, <laughs> it won't matter. That's very pragmatic. Yes. However, <laughs> however, uh, my logical mind made by whoever the or whatever the creator is. And as far as I know, I didn't create myself, but who knows? Mm. Uh, But as far as my logical mind and based upon all the ancient wisdom teaching I have read over the last 40, 50 years, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't make sense that we would be here, that in essence, if there's nothing after this, that this is just an accident which means my life has no meaning. But there's something inside of me, maybe that intuitive, still small voice that says mm-hmm. your life does have meaning. You have life, a life's purpose, and you need to be about that. Because if it doesn't, then when this interview is over, or a matter of fact, I'm not even going to finish the interview. I'm going out raping and pillaging and plundering because my <laughs> life has no meaning. It's irrelevant. <laughs> Right. So, so here's my perspective on it. I, um, when I work with the, with a client and I look at the life history, I'm looking at a number of things, certainly for the origins of any kind of physical imbalance, but also the origins of ways of thinking and behaviors, because now I'm not a psychologist and I'm not qualified for that. But what I can give the client is information that they can take to someone for that kind of assistance if needed. But what I can do is also look at past lifetimes, what what was brought forward, uh, what the life lessons are for somebody, what their soul path uh, is in, in asking for, put it that way. Uh, because everybody wants to feel a sense of purpose in their lives. Now, we're talking about this from the spiritual perspective now rather than the physical or emotional, uh, although the emotional plays in. Everybody wants to feel a sense of purpose in their life. And one of those things I've noticed about illness is it can kind of impact people in that way. They feel like, well, I've got this terrible illness or this chronic issue. You know, what is what kind of information am I supposed to learn from this you know, mm. thing that I'm dealing with every day? And there's information in the physical body and the biofield from the medical intuitive perspective about that. And that can really help people you know, find their way through emotionally, spiritually, mentally, um, and even physically, right? Mm. To find places of healing and awareness. And I'll give you the magic word. The magic word is permission. Meaning, how much permission does anyone have? And it's usually not a conscious permission. It's more about unconscious permission. How much permission does someone have in their energy field to release a physical health issue? That's a very important question when it comes to health and healing. And as a medical intuitive, that's one of the questions I'm asking. How, how much, how, how, why, why is it people heal, some people heal and some people don't heal? 
you know, why is it some people get an issue and other people don't get that issue? Yeah. These are important questions. They're really the the meaning of life kind of questions in many ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I love where you're going with all this because it really is where medical intuition lives. It's a it's an, these are important, profound questions that people ask themselves, particularly when they're in a state of chronic ill health or something like this happens for them. They want to know why. Everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. That's really contradictory to uh, one of the things that was said to me time and time again in some of the personal growth and programs I went through back in the 80s and early 90s, where they were always telling me and the group, give up the need to know why. Uh, because, <laughs> and here's the reason why they said that. Here's why they yeah. said that. They would ask, mm -hmm. then they would ask the question, how would knowing why change your life? How would knowing why your parents treated you the way that you did change your life right now today? How yes. would, and all of those kinds of things. Sure. But when you, as a medical intuitive, start asking that question, and I think it's a valid question, why? It's the most important question from the perspective of medical intuition. Yeah. You then start to take a look at if you can find out why, then maybe you can find out how to release. Exactly. Let go of that. Now, here is one of the, the I'm going to quote from a book called Choices, Five Steps for Life. Uh, it's my book. Oh, good. <laughs> and it starts out with a question that I asked my wife, my second wife, when she was diagnosed with cancer and she was headed for the operating room. And uh, she later told me she had answered this question long before I ever asked it. But I had to ask it because I needed to know where I stood, so to speak. And the question was, do you want to live or do you want to die? Mm -hmm. Now, I followed that up with, I may not like, I may not like the answer to the question, but I will support you in it. Mm. Now, she is still alive today, has been free and clear of the cancer since. Uh, and and uh, so obviously she, she definitely wanted to live. That's but some wonderful. people don't. I was watching a, a, another one of these medical programs. Or actually, no, it wasn't that. It was the one called um, uh, God Friended Me which I think is a really cool program. Uh, and this guy gets these friend suggestions from God through Facebook, uh, basically. And um, finally, he, he gets this one suggestion of this one gal who has cancer. Mm -hmm. And apparently she went through chemo and went through all the treatments and was in remission. And then it came back. And so he thought throughout almost the entire episode that it was his job. The reason he got the friend suggestion was to convince her to go back for more treatment to beat it. Mm. And it's yeah, like, you are missing the point, pal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's so much misunderstanding. And, and I, again, you know, I have many stories about people who, um, you know, are sort of in that position. Listen, if I work with someone or when I have worked with someone who's gone in remission and then the cancer has come back, there's a lot of questions to ask the body and the biofield and, you know, the spiritual information contained in the body and biofield. What is going on with someone? What patterns are recreating themselves again for something like that to manifest yet again? These are very interesting conversations, let me yeah. just tell you that. And I will tell you again, there is no one answer. Everybody's life experience is unique to them. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Absolutely. So it so this is again where medical intuition can really assist with these kinds of these kinds of issues and these kinds of questions and and they're they're intense, you know, they're they're heavy. <laughs> they are. Uh, yeah. They really are. Let me ask you. Uh this is sort of a an a, a part A part B kind of question. And mm-hmm. that is when did you first shall we say make contact with your intuition, your still small voice, <laughs> and B, mm-hmm. when did it transform, transition into medical intuition for others? Yes, yes absolutely. Well, I appreciate the question, Richard. I was always an intuitive kid. Um, I uh, heard music in my head, <laughs> which is one version of audience, which is hearing that still small voice or music or tones. And uh, uh, one of my early memories of intuition was uh, driving in the car with my mother and singing a song in my head. I was around six or seven years old. And I remember saying to my mom, Mom, turn the radio on. There's a song I like that's playing. And she turned it on, and there it was playing right where I was singing it in my head. And I thought, well, you know, that everybody can do that. That must just be something everyone can do. I didn't find out till much later that no, <laughs> not everyone can do that. Mm. And I didn't even know what it was until even later in my life where I could identify it as clear audience. Uh, but I was always able to kind of see how people were. I just sort of knew if someone was not feeling well when I was a child. And some people would call that being an empath. Uh, but I was able to uh, just by playing with it, uh, work on my visual intuition, which is the cornerstone of medical intuition. It's, a, it's called clairvoyance, which is, means clear seeing in mm-hmm. French. And somehow I was able to sort of perceive in my mind's eye, you know, what was going on for people. Um, as I got older, um, I read a phenomenal book called uh, Quantum Healing by Deepak Chopra. Uh, and in that book, you know, he, Deepak Chopra is actually a medical doctor. Many people don't realize that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and in his in that book, which was one of his early ones, might have been his first, I don't recall, uh, where he talked about how he was giving his patients visualization skills to help them heal their physical issues, including tumors and whatnot. And he was building on the work of an earlier uh, medical doctor uh, named O. Carl Simonton who did a lot of work in the 70s with cancer patients on uh, using visualization and meditation and lifestyle changes. So Dr. Chopra picked up where he left off. And I read that book. And not long after, Richard, my body decided to create a little tumor. (laughs) And um, I remember thinking when I went to the doctor, you know, I really want to try his approach and see if I can do something about this tumor. Now, the doctor told me that it was a benign tumor, so I was, you know, lucky in that regard. But I'll never forget, I said to my doctor, and she wanted to have surgery and just remove it and get it out of there. And I agreed to that. Why not? And I said, hey, do you mind if I try to shrink this tumor with my mind? (laughs) And, you know, she gave me that look, you know, that, uh, like, what planet did you just fall from? Um, (laughs) But we had, like, a a two-week window. And in that two-week window before the surgery, I did what Dr. Chopra recommends. I used some imagery in my mind's eye to shrink that tumor. And I didn't pay any attention to it. So I imagined a little scrubby scrub brush and some happy little bubbles. And it just scrubbed it right away and dissolved it. And that, I didn't, honestly, I I paid no other attention to it. And at, uh, at the pre-op, 
I hear the doctor sort of gasp and I think, okay, I'm done for. That's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's time to go. And she said, what did you do? And, and I said, what happened? It went from about the size of a nickel to the size of a pea in two weeks. And it was not that kind of tumor. It wasn't going to do that. Uh, and she, she was impressed. I gave her the book, of course. And from that point forward, my life was really about exploring the idea of how the mind and body interact, mind-body communication. And I became an energy healer. I started in Reiki. I did many, many other modalities. I have since developed my own called Biofield Balance Energy Healing. It is a healing modality. But I will tell you, Richard, that my senses of intuitive visual perception just over the years naturally had grown to the point where when I was working on somebody as an energy healer, I was seeing into their body and I was also seeing their life experience. These would just come to me in a series of hits and information. Now, I know that's not uncommon for energy healers, but one of the things I found was that all of my energy healer colleagues were sending me all their tough cases and that doctors were calling me <laughs> with difficult cases because I was able to see in greater detail than uh, many others. And so I started realizing that I had this skill that would be so valuable to the, the medical world. Um, now, I was a teacher of energy healing for many years at the school I studied at, and I also uh, studied and, and taught their version of intuitive development, but I realized it wasn't medical intuition. This, the word medical intuition uh, comes from Dr. Norm Shealy and Carolyn Mace, uh, who's written many books together and, and on nice. their own. yeah. And, and they coined that term, and I hadn't even heard of it, you know, until I read her book, and I went, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I realized that as a teacher, there's something to teach the medical community uh, about this skill because it is a missing piece. Uh, there's a gap in understanding how medical intuition can help, number one, people heal. Uh, it can save time in their processes. It's, it can get right to the issues without, you know, a lot of doctors kind of throw things at the wall, sort of, so to speak, and see what's going to work and what's not going to work. Well, you can kind of winnow this down and get right to it. Uh, and the reports we're hearing um, from our graduates who are in medicine of all kinds and also alternative and complementary um, if you don't mind me sharing this. No, please. Well, we did a, thank you, we did a pilot study. There have not been no um, definitive studies done on medical intuition in the literature in the U.S. I have, wasn't able to find any. There were some inconclusive studies done, you know, 40 years ago or something, 30 years ago, but nothing that really showed what people can do with this skill on how trained medical intuitives can work. So I took it upon myself to create a pilot study with some research buddies of mine down in San Diego. <laughs> they helped put this together. And we had uh, five of my graduate students and um, about a little over 60 respondents who said, yes, we'd be, love to be part of this study. We, now, the study was done, the sessions were done blinded. So the medical intuitives had no idea what the person was coming in with. We did not do any intake on their physical issues uh, at all. And the way I work and the way my students work is with eyes closed. So we didn't have any visual cues either on somebody's issue. And much of it is done remotely, meaning by phone or by Internet, like Skype or Zoom or something like that. So uh, the results that we came out with were remarkable. We found 94% uh, accuracy rates in location and evaluation of the subject's uh, primary 
health issues. So with no information ahead of time, we were able to discern that. Uh, we had a 98% accuracy rate in the medical intuitive looking at life experience and bringing those areas to um, awareness where that issue may have correlated from, the correlations there. Mm. And that was a wonderful result. Uh, we also asked the question of our participants, Did you do you have um, known medical diagnosis and how consistent was the medical intuitive with that diagnosis? About half of our respondents, our participants, did say they had a known medical diagnosis, and we had 94% consistency in accuracy from our medical intuitives that, again, no intake, no prior knowledge, consistently. So they said the medical intuitive was consistent with that, with that diagnosis. So what, what we're seeing here are you know, fairly remarkable uh, you know, 94 to 98% is remarkable no matter what. And frankly, it beats much of the statistical accuracy we see in Western medicine with doctors' diagnoses and whatnot. And uh, I took that information to a colleague of mine who is the, uh, he runs, a, he's a professor of family medicine at the UCSD School of Medicine. That's University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. He runs a research center there. And I asked him to take a look at this data, and he got very excited, and he said, well, now we need to do the first gold standard study on medical intuition that has been done ever that he was aware of, and certainly in the United States. And uh, that is a collaboration between my my company and, and UCSD School of Medicine. So we are in the process of funding this and raising funds uh, for this really groundbreaking study. So if any of your listeners are excited by this, uh, they can go to my website and donate to this study. Um, and that's at thepracticalpath.com. Uh, and we would love, uh, if you have questions about it, we'd love to uh, talk with you about that too. Practicalpath.com is the website you want to go to. We will be linked to that website as well, uh, Wendy, and uh, we are going to be encouraging people to go there and find out more about you and the work that you are doing. How do you handle somebody in Western medicine, especially who says, oh, come on, Wendy, that's just a lucky guess. Just a lucky guess. <laughs> well, uh, we've proven this over and over, that it's not a lucky guess, that we actually can perceive this information. Also, what I tell them is come and have a session with me. If they're a medical doctor uh, or one of my graduate students, we have a um, referral program for the graduates of my program for doctors to... Uh, have a session, either for themselves or for any of their patients, if that's what they want, uh, just to see how this works and how it can support their their practices. Medical intuition, and medic strictly speaking, medical intuition uh, works beautifully in the in the healthcare field of all kinds. So, uh, if doctors are not wanting to learn the skill themselves, they can certainly partner with any of my medical the medical intuitive graduates and give it a shot, see what they think. <laughs> yeah, you know, our, we stand by our rates. The students that I'll tell you what the students that participated in this study, Richard, had completed their level two program, which is a nine month program, and within nine months they were reading at these high ninety four to ninety eight percent accuracy rates, and that is you know a product of of my training, uh, and they're brilliant. They continue to do so in their own practices. That's And I have to say that's very exciting because uh, we need all the help we can get, especially considering <laughs> the fact that we've got a lot of problems medically. 
But what we're finding, what you are finding, I'm sure, is that a lot of these conditions, they're not, their causation wasn't physical. It was mental or emotional. I've been watching, for example, this one program. It's very hard to watch. Uh, My 600-pound life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a hard show to watch because yes. you're looking at people who I can't believe that someone would let them go that far without doing something. How in the world can they live? And yeah. some of them can barely move. And some of them are very successful on this program. They, they go through this process with this one doctor. Uh, but the doctor doesn't immediately do medical a medical procedure. He basically says, first thing you've got to do, you must lose 100 pounds and you must be committed. And for the first month, you must lose 20 pounds. Mm. And then you come back in a month and we'll see how you're doing. And sometimes mm-hmm. they come back. That's a bad accent on his part, my part from him. <laughs> but, um, you know, they come back and they may have lost 30 or 40 pounds. And they, he said, you are committed. You are really committed to what you are wanting. Okay, we'll, we'll, we're going to schedule the surgery. And it's usually that uh, uh, stomach uh, p- bypass mm-hmm. surgery kind of thing. Or, or mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, and some of them, they lost a pound and a half, two pounds. And he kind of scolds them. And sometimes yeah. I'm thinking, oh, come on, they don't really need that. But yet they do. They need that, I guess you'd call it tough love. He's not giving up on them, but he's saying, look, you're, you don't care. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless you come back in another month and you've lost 30 pounds, then we're going to ha- we're going to kind of break ranks here and you're going to go your way and I'm going to go mine. And mm. and but I just it's like, how do people and yet the obesity rate in this country specifically is just going berserk. And I also know from a psychological standpoint, I know you're not a psychologist, that many people. They put on the weight as a form of protection because of, tr- of, of abuses that they have suffered early in their lives, and all they're doing is they're putting on the armor. Yes. Well, you know, you're really bringing up an important point here. It's not only about, you know, food addiction. Uh, it's about every kind of addiction, every kind of self-soothing process, uh, you know, and every kind, everything. So what, what I relate this to is what are called adverse childhood experiences, which is a, it's it's in the literature now, if people want to look that up, meaning uh, researchers are finding correlations between early life um, trauma and later life uh, physical health impact and not just obesity and not just obviously, you know, emotional issues like depression or addiction or that sort of obsessive behavior, but also cancer and respiratory issues and a, a whole pantheon of physical issues. So this is where medical intuition really fills a gap. Um, as I mentioned, we look at life experience. Well, guess what? Nine times out of 10, what we see are some sort of early life trauma uh, that can lead to patterns of thinking, patterns of behaviors, and all of that leads to potential health issues in the future. So this is, this is what mind-body medicine is all about, isn't it? This is that perspective. And um, let me tell you the good news. <laughs> the good news is that in the United States, there are two uh, similar Um, movements in medicine. One is called integrative medicine. The other one is called functional medicine. Certainly complementary and alternative has already been walking that path, you know, with that perspective. Um, But the medical doctors are starting to realize that 
either their patients are healing through other means like energy healing or acupuncture or other kinds of, you know, herbs and supplements and things. So they need to learn about then diet. Certainly they need to learn about that, but also how the emotions play in to every piece of this, how you heal, you know, why is somebody heal and why do other people not heal? What is happening there? Well, I can just tell you in a nutshell, Richard, medical intuition is designed to answer those questions. That is what it is meant to do. And you can hear my, you know, passion about it. I I think it needs, I know it needs to be part of the medical community. I am extremely blessed to be able to teach uh, at places like Andrew Weil Center and Academy for Integrative Health and Medicine and Scripps um, uh, in San Diego and other um, wonderful uh, centers for integrative medicine that are embracing the idea of mind-body how the mind and the body and the emotions and all and the spiritual perspectives as well play into our health. It's brilliant what's happening right now. This is new for this country. <laughs> and it's also getting good reviews, so to speak, uh, at least initially from the uh, traditional orthodox mainstream uh, medical community. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mostly speak at conferences that address the integrative medical community uh, because that's where I'm, you know, the people want me to tell them what I've been doing and my research and my work. The, I will tell you though, that the mainstream doctors are curious. They've been hearing about it. They know what's going on. They're, they're learning about it. Some are extremely skeptical still, or, you know, think it's nonsense or whatever. That's perfectly fine. I love skeptics, honestly. And I teach people who are skeptical, and there's nothing wrong with that. When they realize that this is actually something that they can discern and, and use as a skill, it, it changes their perspective completely. Medical community, of course, is supposed to be all about taking care of the patient, of, of alleviating their pain and their suffering, if you will, yes. and yes. so forth. And and yet it just seems that, that the medical community – uh, a lot of times that a lot of people see ain't doing that. I mean, they're actually increasing the pain and suffering, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah. But it sounds to me like intuitive medicine is going the way of chiropractics in the chiropractic care in the 80s. I remember because yeah. uh, I was working for a station that had a chiropractor on and uh, um, and and he was still not covered by his services were still not covered by insurance and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, there were things he were, was doing to try to help his patients that uh, were actually across the line of legal. Uh, mm -hmm. Only because he wanted to help his patients. So he actually yeah. went down to Mexico. I remember this happening. He went down to Mexico to get this. Um, I think it was apricot seed extract, something along yeah. those lines. That's what it was right. back then for mm -hmm. cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And, of course, came across the border and bam, they, they nailed him. And yeah. and that sort of I think that sort of ended his career. I, I never did hear what happened to him. But uh, I know some people, they will go to extraordinary lengths. They'll, you know, individuals will go yeah. down to Mexico or sure. go to another country. They'll go to Europe where these particular medical surgical procedures are approved and safe. But that our own primitive uh, yeah. medical certification boards haven't, for whatever reason, uh, gotten on the same page and into the 21st century. Right. Um, haven't approved yet. And so now you've got to spend thousands of dollars for travel and lodging, yep. not to mention try to figure out how to pay for the procedures. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because there is, uh, in my career, you know, in the, the 20 years I've been involved in energy work and medical intuition and whatnot, um, I've seen over the last, I want to say, five to seven years, a really big shift in the acceptance and awareness of other kinds of skills and modalities, including um, acceptance, more acceptance of naturopathic medicine, which is herbs and supplements, of homeopathic medicine, even though there's a lot of legislation going on right now that is being fought and challenged um, by the you know pharmaceutical industry. They're, they're oh, yeah. trying to shut things down. Um, but in this country, we have a lot of very, very strong and powerful lobbying on behalf of you know pharmaceuticals and medical establishment and whatnot. But the, the truth is, is that people are asking, and it doesn't even matter if they're asking for it, they're going to their acupuncturist because guess what? They can get that most of the time taken off, you know, accredited to their insurance. They're going to their chiropractors. They're going to get supplements. They're going to do the kinds of health care that it, it's already taken over the United States. So it's, it's a little bit like the cat is out of the bag and they're not going to be able to stuff that one back in no matter what they do. Yeah. Plus, research has exploded in terms of bioenergy or biofield approaches. Uh, and this is re the reason why I'm able to partner with University of California, San Diego, a major university on a study in medical intuition, right? Which seems kind of like, well, okay. Well, this is what's happening right now. We're seeing that uh, Reiki and Healing Touch and uh, dozens of other modalities are being, including, you know, sound therapy and all kinds of other things, are being researched now in an in a empirically... Uh, you know, that empirical gold standard way. And there's a good reason for this. I am a big fan of research. I'm a big uh, uh, a supporter of people that prove what they say is happening is actually happening. Because there's, you know, everyone should be rightly concerned about snake oil and, you know, charlatanism and all that jazz. There's definitely, you want to be skeptical about that. I'm a skeptic, you know, until I see evidence myself. So, this is why uh, we want to see more and more studies being done and funded for every kind of energy modality or alternative therapy so we can see the efficacy of it. Now, there is something else to add to that, and that is um, – uh, what's it called? Oh, goodness gracious, just flew right out of my head. It's when we have a belief about something and it actually happens. Um, Premonition? No, no, no. Uh, it's – oh, come on, Wendy. Placebo. Thank ah, you. The placebo effect. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, the placebo effect is fascinating. And, and it really is, it becomes a, a real important conversation when it comes to things like energy work because, uh, you know, we can do empirical data and empirical testing with energy work, which, by the way, is happening right now. And there are papers being written and studies being done on that where the effect is can, actually measurable from a scientific perspective. Uh, but there's also the whole thing about placebo effect where you can take a sugar pill if your doctor gives it to you and says this will help with that, and then it does. They're finding 70 plus percent uh, effectiveness with placebo over medication. And this is in, you can just go online and Google this, you know. Well, uh, uh, let me let me throw something else into the mix because I saw the 60 Minutes piece on the placebo and what's fascinating, and I'm not sure if it's exactly the same study, but it was a similar study that was done. Now, normally in a, a, a blind study, 
with uh, test test group A and test group B. Mm-hmm. Test group A gets the placebo, but they're not told that they're being given the placebo. In this piece on 60 Minutes, the group A that was given the placebo was told they were given the placebo. Yes, yes. And that was and- the amazing thing. Exactly. They were told they were given the placebo and it still had a positive effect. And they, they, they also find they can tell people that, you know, they've turned the pill a color blue and they say, well, this will affect that. A color red, this will affect that or green or whatever. This will affect that. This is the power of the mind, Richard. Yeah. This is the power we all have. And, um, uh, and it's fascinating. So I encourage anyone who's listening to this that's interested in this, go online, Google. You can go to some place. It's called pubmed.gov, pubmed.gov. And that's a, 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 a an open source for people to research and look up studies that have been done on a num- many, many things. But you can type in placebo and take a look and see what kind of studies have been done. It's fascinating. In fact, I encourage people to look up the word intuition yes. because all of these are about medicine. And I've done that. And on my website, I have a small sampling of how intuition has been studied in medicine. It's been studied for many years. And they're finding that physicians and nurses and psychologists who use intuitive skills in their practices have higher success rates based on whatever it is they're measuring, how they would consider a success rate. And that's brilliant. And when I, when I teach young doctors and, and you know seasoned doctors, they all understand. They know that they have to trust their gut feelings and their hunches when it comes to their patients. And those that do seem to have a higher success rate. Well, what is, what is the gut feeling? It's called intuition because <laughs> yeah. you have no rationale to base that on other than your own gut and instinct. And what I teach people is a skill set to expand that gut instinct to an actual method that can be integrated into their practices of QA, question answer, on the physical body and biofield that the practitioner can use. And again, the results we're getting are remarkable. They're outstanding. And we're seeing this more and more. We have medical intuitives, just so you know, working in the ER. We have medical intuitives working in research. We have medical intuitives working in clinics alongside doctors. Uh, we have medical intuitives that are also acupuncturists, chiropractors, nurses, psychologists. And these people are using their skills uh, to enhance the efficacy of their particular um, mm. uh, fields. Wow. Now, they may not be talking about it. <laughs> right. No, I was going to say. Not yet, anyway. Yet, yet. <laughs> not, until the ins- not until insurance covers it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and they have to be careful, of course, with their scope of practice and their licenses sure, and all the sure. rest of that. Yeah. But here's the thing. It is, it is already being used. Uh, it is why doctors have called me over the years and other, uh, you know, accurate medical intuitives. It's why Carolyn Mace does the work she did and, and why this is starting to gain a foothold. And it's a very exciting time because it works. That's the point. You don't want to yeah. use something if, if it's not going to be working for you. So. I had, had my Vedic astrologer on uh, me- several years ago when we were doing a live show. We were taking calls. and got a call from somebody who was a skeptic. And his question to my guest, to, to my guest David Hawthorne, was, well, pff, how do you know it works? And, of course, David says, you know, I've never been asked that question before, but it does. 
Well, it just does. And well, here's the thing. Yeah. yeah. What I'm going to say is, you know, when it comes to things of health, you absolutely need empirical evidence. You need that. And I would challenge anyone who thinks that, well, I'm not going to challenge anyone, but I would say <laughs> if you think that's not necessary, uh, you know, then you're kind of putting yourself on the sidelines of this new uh, coming, uh, you know, future of how. Uh, energy and biofield skills and modalities integrate into healthcare. That's coming. Now, it may not be, you know, in the next 10 years, but it might be in the next 50. And that's what we're hoping for. There's a wonderful woman named Julia Mossbridge, who I heard speak at the Institute for Noetic Sciences Conference. And uh, when I was speaking there as well, and she gave a whole talk about what she called the coming intuitive economy. Now, she called it the precog. That's her word for it. People that can kind of see the future, so to speak. Now, I don't do that in my work. I look at what's being uh, what's present and being shown in the physical body and biofield. But what she was talking about, and I got excited about it because it's already happening in this area, is how intuitives are can interface in healthcare, in, uh, in a corporate um, a business. In, and she named, uh, you know, half a dozen areas uh, in our daily lives where intuition can play such an important role. And I loved her perspective on it because she's not wrong. And in healthcare, she and I had a fabulous talk afterwards where I explained my work and what we were doing. And she loved it because that's exactly what she's talking about. Mm. How these wonderful intuitive skills uh, for healers, for, for medical intuitives, for anyone who likes the idea of using their intuition or uses it without calling it that, right? Mother's intuition, women's intuition, mm -hmm. <laughs> empathic intuition. Yeah gut feelings, hunches, that still small voice, all of these point to the use of this wonderful hardwired skill set that we have as human beings to access and use intuition. You need to learn to develop it. Some people have a natural proclivity for it. Some people can develop it. Everyone can develop it. Let me just say that. And you certainly can develop it for health and wellness for yourself. And uh, if you choose to become a medical intuitive, you can do that as well. My wife is very empathic, which mm -hmm. is, I think, sort of along the same lines of intuitive. I mean, she says that she trusts her intuition most of the time. And then she, I, I'll be doing something and she'll come out and say, you know, I'm thinking that you may, you might want to, I'm feeling you might want to do something different here. Yes. Whatever it, okay. And it has taken me a long time to... Uh, respond in a, a positive, okay, kind of way, because it's like, look, uh, you weren't out here when I started this. I've been working on this for two hours, and now all of a sudden you're coming out to tell me what I should be doing here. And I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering about um, how... On, and this is on both sides, on how uh, uh, people around you who are accepting of this wonderful skill and gift that, that you have developed uh, to assist them or, or others uh, is going. But they, they go, well, look, we've been doing all of this other stuff for so many years, and, 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 and now all of a sudden you're going to come along and tell us that we need to be doing this, and that just seems <laughs> kind of silly. I don't, you know, and it's like the ego gets in the way. The monkey mind gets in the way with the chatter, but I want to go to the other side also. I want you to address both sides of this, where someone who is 
empathic, who is intuitive, comes to you for the medical intuitive training Mm -hmm. and has been trusting their intuition for God knows how many years or decades, right? And they've been 95% on the mark or or more or better. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to teach them how to build this skill set. And there's this egotistical resistance because, well, no, 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 that's no, that's not the way I do it because this is the way I've been doing it for years. How, how do you break through that? So I realize that's a two-parter, but let's t- let's talk question. with with the medical well, intuitive training and people who come to you uh, who are already intuitive and no, sure. no, no, Wendy, I, I just just give yeah. me the certification and I'll go. <laughs> So, so the, the, the kind of intuition I teach is unique. Uh, empaths are, are wonderful, and that's a feeling. That's called clear sentience, meaning clear feeling. Either they're feeling the information from other people, either in their own physical bodies or their emotions or some version of that. And that's a kind of intuition. Um, what I do is I train people out of clairsentience to, so they're able to use their clairvoyance or their visual intuition because that is the assessment evaluation skill. And if you're using clairsentience uh, or empathic feeling, you're going to get overwhelmed by other people's information. You're just going to, it's going to stall you. It's going to, it's, you're not going to be able to get through it because you're just going to start feeling everything. And that's not going to be appropriate to the medical intuitive perspective. So, um, so the learning curve is there. Now, the learning curve is there regardless of whether someone is a practiced intuitive or a brand newbie to all of this. There's still a learning curve. In fact, I would say the unlearning uh, for people who are used to using their left brain analysis processes (laughs) is probably more potent than someone who's been working with energy for a long, long time. Those people understand it. They know that they're going to learn a new language as part of their skill set. They're going to learn a new language and that's called clairvoyance and it's a different way to use their intuitive skill. So that's definitely a learning curve, but it's not a difficult one usually for people. Um, The people who have been inculcated into left brain analytical perspectives, they're the ones that have a broader learning curve for using just completely accessing their intuitive perspective, which is more of a right brain uh, kind of, so to speak, uh, kind of uh, uh, practice. And that's where the learning curve is. But let me tell you, I have trained so many people from so many different perspectives from where they come from, you know, in terms of what they know already or what they've used already or if they haven't used it at all, that my feeling here is after teaching this for, you know, over 10 years, that people can learn. Anyone can learn this. Uh, People can learn how to use it. If you have a resistance to seeing in your mind's eye, you know, like visualizing in your mind's eye, and that's as simple as closing your eyes and imagining your loved one's face or the or your pet. And pretty much everyone can do that. Guided imagery is something that people generally are familiar with and comfortable with. That's the cornerstone of the skill. That's mm. all it is. So, you know. And anybody can learn it? <laughs> or are yeah. there some people who are more predisposed to uh, uh, their intuition? Well, I was always predisposed to it, but then again, I was never thwarted. And let me just say that all children are intuitive. And what happens is they get teased or it gets shut down or they're told to, you know, not tell lies or, you know, whatever they're, whatever's going on. 
uh, that experience you described of your wife is something that every intuitive person can relate to because we just know things because we know that we know that we know them. We don't know how we know them. That skill is, by the way, is called claircognizance, clear knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> But so. everybody has this. Everybody <laughs> has this at times. Okay. So, so uh, my, my yeah. and of course, obviously, my issue is that I've got to set my ego aside and listen to this woman who I chose to be <laughs> in my life, who chose me to be in her life, uh, so that uh, we can get through to the next. Uh, but I do. That's re- another. That's another story, Richard. Well, I, well, yes, but but when we're talking about that example, for example, I had an intuitive, I would have to say an intuitive moment that, that kept me safe once where I was, um, we had some trees around the property where we lived that died and I wanted to cut them down before they fell down. So I had cut a bunch of the limbs and everything and everything was fine, uh, but I needed to cut the tree uh, up high so that it would fall, but not hit the fence that it was straddling uh, and, and then I could cut the wood up and blah, blah, blah. So I moved the ladder around the tree about five or six or eight times, trying to get it in just the right position. And I couldn't get it. And something told me, don't worry about it. The tree's not going anywhere. Come back tomorrow with a new perspective. So put the chainsaw away, left the ladder against the tree, went in the house, had a nice evening, came out the next afternoon after work. I was able to put the ladder into the position that was needed cut the limb, fell right where I wanted it to, then case closed. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the way we want things to to happen in our lives. But well, a lot you of t- listening, you weren't listening to that analytical mind right. that might have said, "Oh, just get on with it." Yeah, you, get it you know, done. Yeah, and you were listening to your intuitive sense, which is your guidance, essentially, yeah. saying, "Leave it alone for now. It's okay. Come back tomorrow." Yeah. And Every intuitive teacher will tell you, including myself, if you want to build your intuition, please start listening to that little voice, that little instinct, that little gut feeling. And the more you listen to it, because this really speaks to my life experience. I developed this naturally. I didn't have a supernatural, you know, kind of uh, heaven's opening, as many people do when they find they have certain skills after, like a near-death experience or something like that. I didn't have that. I just developed it slowly, gradually, by playing with it this exact way. Just listen. Pay attention. And don't ignore those impulses. See what happens if you don't. Mm. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I, I've shared the experience of bicycle. I used to bicycle everywhere before I started driving and I was bicycling to work and it was out in the, this was in Arizona and Phoenix where the, the, where I was working, it was at the transmitter site, which at then that time was out in the middle of farm fields Mm -hmm. and uh, every, every block or field was a mile long and a mile wide. Mm. And uh, I got this impression as I was coming up to this intersection, turn right, turn right, turn right. I'm going but that's going to take me three miles out of my, I'm going, so I kept going. I went a half a mile, halfway between streets and the impression wouldn't go away. I turned around, I went back and I went in the direction that it was prompting me. I made the left, then another left, then another left. And then I made a right. I was back on the street. I was on in the first place and I continued on to work. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know why I was prompted to do that. Yeah. Maybe it was nothing more than the uh, my intuition, my higher self, the still small voice saying, "Do you really trust me? Do you really?" <laughs> All right. Or That's maybe funny. maybe I avoided an accident that I you might have been have. involved in. 
Well, let me just tell you, I have dozens of stories in my own life about that very thing and uh, where I have listened to my intuition, which, by the way, is not a still small voice for me. It's actually kind of a loud, bossy voice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> turn right, turn right, right? Uh, <laughs> and and it's, it's paid off. It's like, oh, okay, now I know why. Now, this is what I tell my students and what I would tell your listeners. Again, just listen to it. Play with it. See, see what happens. You may never know why, you know, turn right, turn left. But here's the thing. When I, when I give talks, I say, how many people play the parking spot angel game, right? You know what that is? When, you, when you're driving your car looking for a parking spot and you say, oh, parking gods or parking spot angel, lead me to the correct, you know, where I can go find a parking spot. Many people play this game. Well, what's happening there? Is there really a parking spot angel? I don't know. But I can tell you what they're using is claircognizance, which is asking for information that comes in a sense of knowing. And the other way people experience this all the time is they think about somebody and the next thing they know, that person is contacting them, you know, texting or emailing or calling. And we have this experience as humans. We know this one. You know, pretty much everybody nods their head with that. Uh, and that is an intuitive experience. So I recommend that people start to pay attention to their intuitive experiences, maybe start even writing them down, letting it jog their memory a little bit, and just seeing what happens. Build it. Now, I can offer people uh, two um, programs. One is, of course, the medical intuitive training, and that's the nine-month program we talked about. Now, that one is exclusively and develop, developed for wellness providers, meaning people who work in the wellness fields. So anything from energy healers, health coaches, you know, all the way up, uh, on up and on out. Uh, so you do need to have a profession in that, in some wellness field in order to take that program. Mm -hmm. But I also have a short course called Medical Intuition for Healing. And this is for anyone who wants to develop that mind-body communication so they can start asking their own bodies uh, what they what it wants. And boy, the information that comes through from your body is, can surprise you, you know, in terms of what it wants. I had a, a student who, uh, a, a woman who took the class who was an exercise instructor, and she had a sore muscle, and her, her way of dealing with a sore muscle was to continue to work it, you know, just get the kinks out, as she called it, or mm -hmm. whatever. And when she talked to her sore muscle using medical intuitive communication techniques, it all it had to say to her was, please stop working out. <laughs> Let me rest. And she started laughing with that. She's like, well, I didn't even think to ask it what it wanted. Yeah. And that's the point. Uh, and sometimes it can be quite profound. So I recommend people go to the website and look for that. The Medical Intuition for Healing Workshop is a wonderful workshop where you can just stick your toe in the water and see if this is something you know you want to develop for yourself. Exactly. Thepracticalpath.com is the website. We encourage you to go there. We will be linked to it as well. Uh, Wendy Coulter is my guest here on the program. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we are talking about uh, her practice of medical intuition that can be yours. Uh, it can be any one of ours we are all uh trying to um trying to live uh, healthier lives in in many ways in many cases uh, at least uh, many of us are anyway and um it's it's not always easy we get bombarded externally by lord i can't even imagine how much we get bombarded by i'm not even how to sure how to come uh, how to uh, codify it <clears throat> but it is one of those things that um we are trying to uh, uh, to do our best with, 
And uh, we are grateful for people like uh, Wendy who come our way and, and share these ideas. And it's one of those things that we are really encouraging you to get, in, to get involved in this 2020, which is this year, 2020, the year of perfect vision, which we have been promoting since September 2019. We've been trying to tell people, Wendy, that you need to stop searching for the answers outside yourself. You know, a lot of what you describe also reminds me of the the modality, if you will, of kinesiology, which I learned about probably 35, almost 40 years ago from a dear friend of mine. Uh, her son was the one who introduced me to computers in the 90s, but she introduced me to a lot of this um, more esoteric, if you will, health and wellness that was obviously on the fringes and is becoming more and more mainstream, which I am very thrilled about. But kinesiology, she always used to tell me your body knows what's best for you and it will never lie to you. Uh, using that particular modality, you can test just about anything. Yes. I have taught many, many kinesiologists. Let me just say that. Mm -hmm. I've taught them medical intuition and there's a distinction to be made. I love kinesiology. I think it's great for quick answers, but I will tell you that the body has its own perspectives and its own personality, really, <laughs> and its own awarenesses. Yeah. And it has things to say that sometimes kinesiology just can't, is not going to get to. Um, so it's not that I don't appreciate and, and love kinesiology. I think it's a wonderful skill, especially if you're in the moment with a patient or a client and you just need some yes, no, quick yes, no answers and qu quick information. But I will tell you that medical intuition does take it further. Mm -hmm. And the kinesiologists that have worked with me and taken my program agree. It, it's just a, a whole wealth of information that um, the body's bias does not come into play with. And the body's bias does, in my opinion, come into play with kinesiology and other physical-based um, perspectives. Nothing wrong with it. It's beautiful sure. and brilliant. It's just that there's a little different perspective from medical intuition. So as, as the myth of marijuana being the gateway to heroin, kinesiology in the positive light is a gateway <laughs> to intuition, to medical intuition. Is that right? Well, I don't know if I'd say that because it's an actual <laughs> skill set. It's, kinesiology is a modality. It I, is. Medical it intuition is. is not a modality. I understand. Any kinesiologist can use medical intuition as an assessment before they go in and, and you know do their work in kinesiology. With And kinesiology usually is a support to some other kinds of sure. modality. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it, it is. And again, one of the things that I've always been intrigued by is the number of modalities that someone has incorporated into their tool bag uh, for whatever it is that they're doing uh, in terms of um, whether it's alternative medicine and so forth, uh, health and wellness, nutrition, uh, just getting it, getting from day to day <clears throat> uh, and sometimes uh, dealing with some of the issues that uh, have created some of the issues we're dealing with in our bodies. Yes. You know, I mean, I <laughs> I never had any problems with my knees and ankles until I moved to Santa Barbara. And we moved to a, a piece of property up on a hill in the wilderness uh, above Santa Barbara. And um, uh, for the first eight or 10 years, I was constantly uttering, even if it was under under my breath, Oh, my kingdom for flat land, please. Because <laughs> uh, it's it's rocky, it's hilly where we live and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, the, you know, and then 
I I've managed to find a way to to circumvent the uh, uh, the the hills and the rocks and all this kind of stuff, and I'm doing a lot better today, almost sixty, than I was ten years ago. Amazingly enough, uh, but it's one of those uh, uh, things that I think about all the time when it comes to Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to uh, uh, expound on this because where we live. I mean, with the exception of uh, Highway 154, which isn't far from us, we can hear it going, the cars going by, but boy, it gets nice and quiet around 2 a.m. It's beautiful. Or when they have to shut it down for any reason. Um, Mother Nature, I've always believed and tried to learn from Mother Nature because I believe she is our ultimate teacher. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, well, I would love to, um, you know, kind of wrap up our conversation on this sure. note because yes. it's such a beautiful one. Um, the body loves nature. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> and there have been studies done on this, you know, with children who live in inner cities and what happens to their, you know, limbic systems and their nervous systems and whatnot when they actually have an opportunity to spend time in nature and, you know, at parks or beaches or in the woods and stuff like that. It really helps. We're made, I tell people, we're our bodies are made of physical, you know, earthy stuff. We're mm-hmm. made of the same cells that a plant or a tree is made of. Well, what does that mean? That means that we have an affinity for nature. And I recommend that people take some time in their day, if they can, just to walk outside and feel the sun on your face or you put your, you know, smell a, smell a beautiful flower or oh, yeah. something like that. You know, I, a lot of the recommendations that come through from physical bodies are, hey, you know, we just want to put our feet in the grass or we want to go stick our, you know, our, our feet in the ocean or we want to we lie in the bathtub and feel the water, you know, or something like that. That's not mm-hmm. nature, but it's sure. elements of nature. Elements, yeah. Uh, and and that is really, really important for the physical body. So I recommend everybody pay attention to that. Um, and I have, you know, a lovely backyard and Santa Barbara, of course, is beautiful where you are. And it's, you know, you just want to have a place to go or a place to feel that connection. And very often a meditation practice can also help with that, where you just turn inward and you give yourself time to regenerate uh, your, on a spirit level. Um what's going on for you so absolutely i do recommend that yeah absolutely wendy coulter i want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and uh, before we let you go and extend to you the invitation short little drive if you'd love to come up to santa barbara we'd love to have you in studio to continue this conversation because there are so many other topics that i wanted i want to get to but we don't have the time here on this program uh and uh, uh i i think that it's important that people uh, be made aware that everybody has an intuition, everybody has access to it, but a lot of times, most of the time, we don't know how. We need to be taught, and that's what you're able to do through the work that you're doing through thepracticalpath.com. And we didn't get a chance to talk about the work of The Practical Path, uh, but <laughs> uh, we encourage people to get involved with, uh, of course, the um, the medical intuitive training program through your website. Again, the practical practicalpath.com. 
<clears throat> and again, thank you so much for joining us. But also, we have three final questions for you before we let you go that I ask everybody, but a reminder to our listeners that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and we are streaming live and podcasting on SoundCloud and a bunch of other locations and Spotify, and we certainly hope that you will listen to the entire interview by going to the podcast and also going to Wendy's website. By the way, Wendy is spelled with an E, uh, an I-E, W-E-N-D-I-E. <laughs> So yeah. um, uh, keep that Creative in mind. Parents, uh, yes, they uh, absolutely. Well, they still could have called you Wendy and started it with a Q. Okay, I mean, it's like uh, anyway. Uh, so my three, <laughs> I won't get sidetracked. My three final questions for you are: yes. number one, who is Wendy Coulter? Well, you know, I'm a medical intuitive. I'm a, a, a healer. Uh, you know, I was in music for a very long time, so I have that background. But mostly what I am is someone who is curious and interested in what makes things the way they are, <laughs> in finding the underlying reasons and causes for why something is the way it is. I'm a, that's really who I am. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? What a good question. Uh, my goal uh, with the work that I'm doing now is to bring this uh, education to the healthcare community. And I'm very gratified to say that I'm, you know, working towards that. And there have been a lot of people who also want me in that, you know, they, they want to help me do that. And so I'm, I'm working towards, um, bringing intuition into the medical and healthcare environment and also into the educational environment for healthcare providers. And that's my directive. And finally, what is your life's purpose? <laughs> I think it's one and the same. Um, that's, well, first of all, I think everybody's life's purpose is to enjoy their life. <laughs> here, here. No matter, no matter what they choose to do, you know, we're the otters of the universe. I think Abraham Hicks says that. And I just love that because we're really here to have a beautiful life and love and share love and experience it no matter what we choose to do. So, uh, you know, it's good for us to remember that, that Absolutely. we're here to, to share and love and love ourselves and love our bodies and love others. I want to thank you for giving us so much time here on the program, and I do look forward <laughs> to having you back again because there is so much more that we uh, can talk about in, the re in reference to uh, your uh, medical intuitive, not only the training, but the practical path and so much of the other things that you have done uh, over the years and things that might be coming up we could talk about as well. So I look I forward to that, that opportunity. Richard. I'm Thank Rich you so much, Richard. You are welcome. I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to love.